0: giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. When looking for a partner to help grow your business, what if you could get all of the technology and resources of a large corporation while also enjoying the personalized service of a small family-owned agency? Sound too good to be true? See for yourself at thebrokerageinc.com NAHU. It's almost time for NAHU's annual convention, but before we see your bright, smiling faces in Austin, there is some regulatory news to discuss. This week, NAHU submitted comments to CMS in response to a proposed rule released in April that makes policy changes to the Medicare enrollment process, among other important changes. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, NAHU's John Green is here to discuss our comment letter to the administration, as well as how you can complete your Medicare Advantage training with NAHU. So we discussed this proposed rule in detail during the April 29th edition of the Healthcare Happy Hour podcast. But for context, could you briefly explain some of the changes that this rule seeks to make?
1: Sure, I'd be glad to. Generally, the rule was a welcome rule in that it finally fulfilled a request that we've often had made to cms which was in regards to the effective date of coverage and what the rule largely does is set effective dates the first day of the next month in which they're eligible many beneficiaries coming into the program particularly if they were later depending on the date of their birthday might have to wait several months as many as six months so this is a real welcome change in general so the rule constitutes five new special enrollment periods and it specifies what they are and i'll just go through them real quickly the first one is for individuals affected by an emergency or natural disaster what's unique about this one i would say is that it is one that we actually worked on with cms following hurricane sandy where they worked with our local chapters And it worked so well that it became part of their standard operating procedure. And what was key here is that agents were still allowed to enroll and earn a commission. Whereas in the past, when there was a natural disaster declaration, CMS took over enrollment and there was no commission. So that was significant. The second one is health plan employer error. And this is interesting in that, you know, we know that the communication between sometimes a health plan or, or an employer to a new beneficiary is often confused, including COBRA. And so we are suggesting in our comments that they provide relief for COBRA, which would give us an administrative fix. As you know, we've been working for several years on a legislative fix for COBRA's credible coverage, but if they would include it as part of the final rule, it would actually take care of that problem. The third one is individuals who were formerly or recently incarcerated. I know a number of our agents who work with formerly incarcerated individuals and their situations are rather unique because of their incarceration. And so providing them with an SEP makes so much sense and really smooths that transition for them. And the fourth one is coordination with the termination of Medicaid coverage. That's another area where there are timing issues here, but it actually creates a a smooth pathway for transition from Medicaid to Medicare. And the last one is other exceptional circumstances, and that's pretty broad, but there are unique situations that come up, and I'm sure you've had clients who have a situation that didn't really fit any of these categories. And these can be submitted to CMS and the HHS will. Uh, review those and make a determination as to whether an SEP is warranted in those circumstances. The last thing that the rule does is it 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 changes how we deal with people who are taking immunosuppressant drugs for end-stage renal disease. In the past, you got a three-year time for coverage, but it then it would abruptly end. Uh, and then people would lose that coverage and they could literally die because they're not covered by those drugs anymore. And so what the rule does here is it makes it, as long as you're alive, you can keep getting the the treatment, which makes so much sense, right? That should never have been cut off that way. Perhaps at the time that this limitation was created, it may have been one of two things. One is that maybe at the time, people did not survive longer than that period. And so that's one marker or The cost of providing that benefit longer uh, just became a barrier from a cost perspective for scoring purposes. And so they limited it to, to three years. But again, a very welcome change here indeed.
0: So to get a bit more into NAHU's comments on all of this, what did NAHU say specifically about the changes to the Medicare enrollment effective dates?
1: So we generally like this rule what we said is that we welcome those changes that they were changes that we've been asking for the medicare advisory group has discussed this many times and we've raised it with cms and uh, we were pleased that uh, you know in the CAA legislation uh, that cms had this opportunity to make these rule changes and so we're very supportive another comment that we made relative to that, you know, effective date for coverage is that there are people who are planning for retirement and their leaving work is not necessarily coincide with when they would become eligible. And so we just asked that they maintain some flexibility at the front end and at the back end for those who are planners. doesn't come up a great deal, but I think it's about trying to get it right while we're reviewing these changes. In our letter, we actually provided an example of what we're talking about with regard to additional flexibility for those who are planning. So, for example, a teacher who becomes Medicare eligible in the fall may wish to delay their Medicare coverage effective date until their retirement at the end of the school year. Kind of person that we're talking about, where they may be become eligible for Medicare during the school year and are not prepared to just leave work and sign up for Medicare. So they're just trying to smooth out the end of their work time with entering Medicare.
0: And do you have anything to add regarding NHU's comments on the new proposed special enrollment periods?
1: You Medicare agents that are working with your clients, let us know how that is actually working in the real world. We did say that you know if they're going to make the effective date the first day of the month after their eligibility, that CMS and Social Security will need to coordinate their Medicare numbers promptly so that we can effectuate the coverage because they need that Medicare number in order to actually have it effectuated.
0: In other Medicare news, as of June 22nd, NHU's plan year 2023 Medicare Advantage certification course is officially available. John, would you mind briefly describing the certification course and how folks can register for that?
1: Sure. And to quickly recap, you know, I've been always hearing complaints about the AHIP exam and why Nehu doesn't create one. And, well, we did. And it is a a course written by agents for agents. There's no gotcha question. It's CMS approved and it's $100. It's very easy to access online at our website. And I would also mention that for you newer agents, we do monthly updates and, and kind of dig into the course a little bit in terms of what's behind some of those questions and why the answer is what they are. These are free. They're in a library. You can listen to them at your leisure, and they are produced by our FMOs, and I think that it really gives us a strong program.
0: So another rule that folks may still have some questions about is the new Medicare marketing rule that we discussed in the May 20th edition of the Healthcare Happy Hour podcast. This marketing rule requires agents to record telephonic conversations in certain situations. Have we received any update from CMS in this area?
1: So we have met with them on more than one occasion and have made our case for carving out current books of business because those are voluntary and they are not where the complaints are coming from. We also asked for a safe harbor for beneficiaries that voluntarily contact an agent for enrollment advice. And we asked for a carve-out for Part D because of the amount of work that is entailed in the recording, the cost, and so forth to make it worthwhile based on that commission. So far, we have not heard of That they're going to change that rule at all and so we have sent a formal letter to them with additional questions assuming that there's no change in the rule questions such as what happens if the beneficiary declines to be recorded we need some additional information relative to our certification course and so i have asked for a response as soon as possible and we asked them a few additional questions so that we can provide you with some narratives that you can use with your clients and letting them know about what lies ahead and what they need to do if they opt out. Of course, face-to-face enrollment meetings are not included in the recording requirement. So that may make your day longer and that you'll have to stack all these meetings face-to-face to avoid the recording requirement. But we're trying to think through other workarounds and and so forth. I know that a number of FMOs are already planning for that. There are third-party recording outfits that are prepared to provide that service. But, of course, that all comes at a cost. And so we'll see how this plays out in the coming AEP, and then we'll regroup after that. I do think that there are some other steps that we're going to take along the way probably requesting a meeting with CMS in person with the CMS administrator to lay out our concerns ahead of the AEP.
0: When looking for a partner to help grow your business, what if you could get all of the technology and resources of a large corporation while also enjoying the personalized service of a small family-owned agency? Sound too good to be true? See for yourself at thebrokerageinc.com n-a-h-u.
1: It's sort of a building block exercise. You do one step at a time. And I just want to reassure you that you know, we're keenly aware of your concerns. We've had many meetings leading up to our conversations with CMS, and we've pulled every trigger that we can. And so now it's up to them to decide where they're going to land. They're gonna put out some operational rules uh, prior to the AEP. And at that point, we'll know with certainty where we stand. We're also coordinating with AHIP and asking them to echo some of the points that we have made to them. They they work with the same people that we spoke to. We're gonna be setting up a meeting shortly with them to follow up on their conversations with the regulator. So please be patient. And just know that we're doing everything that we can.
0: It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So, John, what are we toasting to this week?
1: We're toasting to Austin live and in person for annual convention. It's the first time in two years that people have been able to gather and hug each other and see each other and, and just be together. And I can't think of a better place to be than Austin, Texas. And I regret that I won't be there and Chris Hartman won't be there, but we'll be thinking about you guys and the good time that you're having. Cheers.
0: Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts, or to become a member, visit nahu.org.